0: Hey, for the month of January and February 2024, Jarhead Diagnostics is going to be running a promotion to give away a diagnostic roll cart. Uh, this is a Harbor Freight Series 3 single bank cart, and they're going to be outfitting this with the boom that Jarhead makes, drawer organizers, a custom work surface, and more you can get entered to win this cart just by making a purchase from Jarhead Diagnostics. For every $5 that's spent, you'll receive one entry to win this cart. So check out Jarhead Diagnostics. The link is in the show notes. This promotion only applies for the lower 48 states of the USA, and tax and shipping do not apply to giveaway entries. This episode is brought to you by L1 Automotive Training and Keith Perkins. If you're looking for education on module programming, J2534, EPROM work, key and immobilizer, electrical diagnostics, or drivability diagnostics, Keith has a website, L1Training.com, that's got over 60 hours of training videos on all those subjects and more. When I first started out doing mobile, I utilized Keith's videos on module programming in J2534 in order to get my head wrapped around what I would need for the tooling, the computers, the software setups. You know what kind of obstacles I would be up against when I'm out there programming modules on cars, and it was a huge benefit to me. And I continue to use the training videos um, that he has on his website. So. I strongly recommend checking out L1Training.com. The link is in the show notes. What's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I'll be your host once again for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Uh, Just me this week, I'm going to go over a couple case studies with you on vehicles that I've dealt with recently. Uh, i got a couple of them here that have related problems, uh, but we found different things with the two vehicles. But the system uh, in question is the uh, keyless entry or smart key, proximity key. There's a lot of names out there for it. Push button, start. Uh, where we don't have an actual bladed key that goes in and rotates the ignition switch. Instead, we have a push button and some sort of detection system to recognize whether there is a key present in the vehicle and if it belongs to the vehicle. And if so, and if all the things are functioning, it'll key up the vehicle and allow it to start. Well, In both cases of these vehicles, that does not happen. Um, We get the no key detected message on the dashboard. And a lot of you have seen this with vehicles before Uh, for various reasons. It might just be the key's dead, right? The battery might just be dead. And that's actually pretty common. That happens or the key has failed, right? That's another relatively easy solution to determine. But in both cases with these vehicles, it's more than just that. Uh, The keys turned out to be just fine or we're replacing a key actually in both cases here. So as long as we got the correct key, which is something to consider, um, the key should be fine. Um, But I'll go over that and how to verify that as well, because that in itself can be a challenge. Um, But anyways, the vehicles we're going to be working on, uh, first one is a 2019 Chevy Sonic, and the second one is a 2017 Ram 2500. And I'll go over all the details on each vehicle. But before we get into it, I just want to remind everybody uh, that we have some merchandise. Uh, We have uh, t-shirts and sweatshirts with the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast logo on them. Uh, You can check those out on our Facebook page if you want to actually see one. Uh, I do have an image here on the YouTube version. We do have a YouTube uh, channel if you'd like to watch these episodes along with a helpful PowerPoint that has some images and diagrams uh, not necessary. My goal is to keep the podcast so that you could listen to it audio only and get everything that you need out of it, but it does add a little something to have a video to go along with it. Anyways... Um, If you want to win a free T-shirt, all you have to do is leave a review on the Apple Podcasts for our podcast or uh, leave a comment – On one of the YouTube episodes and it's just under Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. You can find it and once a month we will randomly select one of the people who does either the review or the comment and we'll announce it on the show that you've won a t-shirt. If you hear your name, get a hold of me via Facebook or email which you'll find in the show notes. Uh, Let me know your t-shirt size and address and we'll get that t-shirt sent out to you. So anyways, with that out of the way, let's get into the first case study. This is a 2019 Chevy Sonic, and it's blue no less, which <laughs> it's it's kind of funny, a blue Sonic. Um, anyways, uh, the vehicle was purchased from the auction by a car lot. And if you deal with car lots at all, you'll find they purchase a lot of vehicles from the auction. So we run into similar situations and a lot of situations involving keys because a lot of the times when vehicles go through the auction the um they'll they'll have locksmiths come through and just make a key that will start the vehicle and very often it's the cheapest key possible um and probably because that's what the auction wanted um in order to get the car to start but then that's it it's not the right key for the vehicle doesn't have all the functions. Um, And so a lot of times these car lots, they want the correct key or the correct remote with all the buttons that function. And so I do a lot of work for this particular car lot in that regard of making keys or even just making a second key for a vehicle. A lot of times when they sell these, they want to be able to sell it with two keys and understandably so, right? you it's kind of a vulnerable position of the owner of the vehicle to only have one key because then you lose that and it's very expensive and your vehicle is going to be down, you know, wherever it is until you can get somebody out there to perform and all keys lost. But anyways, I do a lot of work for this particular car lot. Um, this Chevy Sonic actually does have the key and this is a push button start system, but it does have a key with all the buttons that does actually start the vehicle. So uh, smart key system, what they found was you have to put this key in the front cup holder, which is the backup slot, um, you know, the coil detection for if there's an issue with the key or the smart key system, right? So if the battery and the key dies you would put it in this cup holder the car recognizes it and you can still start the vehicle and drive it but none of the remote functions work proximity functions none of that's functional and that's the case on this vehicle but it does start and run when that key is in the cup holder so that's important to note that this key is programmed to the vehicle at least for that immobilizer portion but none of the other functions work. Uh, The shop did change the key battery, and that didn't change the problem. Um, And so they called me. They said, hey, can you just make a key for this thing? I was not asked to do a diagnostic. They just assumed that the key was the issue, and they wanted me to make a key. Okay, that's fine. We'll we'll do that. I usually just do what the customer wants. Um, And so... When we looked up the keys for this vehicle, for this particular Chevy Sonic, we did see that there was two options for the frequency and the FCC ID. And I've talked about this before on the podcast. Obviously, there's different frequencies. The most common here in the states is three fifteen megahertz, four thirty three megahertz, and then there are some nine hundred megahertz signals um now within that right you have a ton of different remotes that operate off of 315 and tire pressure sensors but they're going to have their own unique fcc id and that's going to make that remote or that transmitter specific to that vehicle and if that fcc id is not correct even if the frequency is the same the car is not going to observe it um Even like, obviously you have to program the remote to the car before it observes it. But let's say we had the wrong FCC ID, even though it's the right frequency and even though it's maybe an option for the right key for that car, the car will never accept it even trying to program it in. And I run into that a lot. It's definitely an issue with getting keys for vehicles, especially if you're getting aftermarket keys. But I've even had it with the dealership where you order a key. I had this on a. It was either a Kia or a Hyundai. You ordered the key that had the remote section, and it, it didn't program. But the old key would program in just fine. Well, we ended up finding there was two different options, and I had to tell the dealership no, we need this part number for this car. They supplied that for us, and it programmed right in. So even at the dealer, their lookup can be incorrect, uh, or maybe it's how they're looking it up. I don't know in that specific scenario where it went wrong, but. There can be multiple options for a single vehicle and Kia Hyundai seems to be really bad about that. They seem to have two different options for every single vehicle and it can be difficult to identify which one is correct. So we've kind of just gotten in the habit of if there's any question, uh, we'll just order both keys and then we have one in stock for the future of the other kind. And it eliminates a lot of back and forth and unnecessary trips to a vehicle, um, but you do want to pay attention to this if you're doing key jobs and understand that, hey, just because it says 315 on the remote doesn't mean that it's all automatically going to program. Now, in this case for this car, one option was 315 and the other one was 433. So the frequency was different, but the FCC ID was also different. One was HYQ4AA. The other one was HYQ4EA, right? So a different number, but also different frequency. So I guess where I'm going with that is, is I could be able to tell if I had a functional key, which key for sure it is just by using some sort of key tester, pressing the button and looking at the frequency, right? Uh, Key Tool Max will do this. Some tire pressure tools will do this. There's other tools that'll take an RF signal from a key when you hit the button and show you the frequency. Um, And so that would be easy enough to determine. On this one, um, this particular vehicle, like I said, had a key. Now, although none of the RF functions work, which is really where that frequency and FCC ID number are important, um, but it does work for the vehicle. And the other thing was the emergency blade was cut to the door. And that's one thing I look at is like, does this key really belong to this vehicle, especially in an auction purchase case? Because maybe somebody just found a key, programmed it in, and you know they're, they're using it to start it, but it's not correct for that application. Um, but I'll look at that emergency key and see, does that work in the door? And is it brand new, right? Did someone just cut this emergency blade or is it kind of worn out? Now, in this case, it looked like it had seen some use. It's kind of dirty. It's not a brand new key that was cut. It does work in the door. And again, this key is programmed to the vehicle. You put it in the cup holder and it starts. So, and the key is not brand new either. You can see some scratches and some wear on it. And so, although we can't be 100% sure, like somebody still could have grabbed a used key from another Chevy, stuck the um, the emergency key blade into it, and then programmed in the immobilizer section, but maybe the um, the RF function is incorrect. That's unlikely, but it's possible. So I don't like to rule out things like that because I have run into stuff like that. Um, What I did do was I took this remote apart and actually looked inside because it's easy enough to pop the cover off. And I saw the FCC ID on it. So I started with the key I had that matched that, and it was a 315 frequency uh, with the HYQ4AA um, FCC ID. Um, And... The, this key, or any smart key, really, uh, when we're looking at it outside of, I'm sure there's there's examples of vehicles that don't apply to this, like maybe a Mercedes IR I'm thinking of that might be a little different. But for the majority of smart keys out there, the key portion, you could consider it the same as what I'm about to explain to you. So it's really broken down into two parts, right? You've got a very short range transponder, That's not battery powered and only functions near the backup key slot or detection coil or halo, whatever that is. And that's various locations within vehicles, right? Could be in a cup holder, could be in a slot in the storage container, the glove box, maybe the push button start, maybe a slot in the dash, right? There's there's all kinds of different variations. And so you want to use service involved info to figure out where that is. And I've had that be a little bit of a challenge to figure out where is the actual backup key slot? Because sometimes it's under a plastic, um, uh, like, like a piece of plastic that's at the bottom of a cup holder or the bottom of a little storage container. And then there's, then you see a slot that's the size of the key. Sometimes it's easy to find, but use service info, or I've honestly just used YouTube a lot of the time to see where it is. And there's a YouTube video for most of the popular vehicles out there. But anyways, there's a transceiver in the key. And this is very similar to what's been in bladed keys for many, many years in the plastic head. And its job is to respond to the ignition coil when it's in very close range. And I mean within an inch or two of this coil, it's going to be excited by the electromagnetic waves that the coil is sending out, and then it's going to send a signal back to that coil so the car can observe, okay, yes, this transponder belongs to the vehicle. But that's part of every smart key. And I want you to think that that is separate from the other functions of the smart key, right? There is another portion within that smart key that has a battery. It's a three-volt battery in most cases. There's a couple out there that use a couple three volts, but it's a three-volt battery that has another transceiver that is going to work on a long-range function, or at least lo- quite a bit longer than the other part that is not battery-powered. And so this is the portion that when you hit a button and you're 20, 30 feet away from a vehicle, it's going to lock, unlock, unlock, remote start, whatever button you press. But also for a smart key, once you're in the vehicle and you press the start button, the car is actually going to use low frequency antennas that are around 125 kilohertz to send a signal to your key to request, hey. Are you here and do you belong to the vehicle? And the key with the battery portion of this is then going to respond with a high frequency signal. That'll be your 315 or your 433 that goes back to the vehicle to say, yeah, I'm here and this is my immobilizer information. Or maybe it's answering a challenge from the car. Uh, Sometimes there's uh, actual communication back and forth between The vehicle to say, hey, I'm challenging you with this information. And there's there's mathematical formulas in some cases that these keys are doing or rolling codes that they're using to say, yes, I belong to this vehicle. And then if that's all good, then you can key up the vehicle and start it. But that's two separate portions of the key. And why I'm even talking about that is, again, we could Uh, I I could be concerned about this key, even though it works in the immobilizer portion, when it's in the cup holder in that short range, maybe the long range portion is incorrect for this car. I don't have anything to point to that yet, but it's something that goes through my head because I've run into scenarios like that. And you could, and actually I proved it on this vehicle. You could take the wrong immobilizer and you could program it to the vehicle, even though, and it'll work to start it, even though none of the RF functions will work, okay? And so, again, just think of that as two separate portions of the key, and it'll kind of help you, guide you to what direction do I need to go. So, anyways, I'm just here to program a key, not necessarily diagnose this yet, but I'm going to do what they asked, and I verify, okay, this is at least what I assume to be the correct key, the 315 uh, megahertz. And so I program that in by putting in the cup holder and I use the Autel and it's a 12 minute wait in order to program this. And once the key programmed in, um, I can do the exact same thing I could with the old key. If I have it in the cup holder, it will start the vehicle. I take it out of the cup holder. I get a no key detected message on the dash when I press the start button and it doesn't start and none of the RF functions work. So if I hit the lock or unlock button on the key, nothing happens on the vehicle. Okay. So again, there's the question in my mind of, is this the correct key? I have the other one. But now I'm also wondering, is there something else going on with this vehicle? And so at this point, I'm going to stop here because I've done my key programming and talk to the shop and say, hey, do you want me to diagnose this, figure out what's wrong? I don't believe it's a key. At this point, because we programmed a new one in, right? There's that's still that small sliver that I could be using the wrong one, and maybe we'll get to that point. But I need to do some testing on the car really before I get to that conclusion. And so they approved it. They just they want the car to work, so they'll let me do my thing. Um, and really, what I'm looking at here again, if we split that key up into two sections, I'm not concerned about the short range and the immobilizer portion. I am concerned about the long range system where the car reaches out to the key and then the key reaches back out to the car and specifically that part too, right? At this point, I'm not even really thinking about the low frequency antennas in the car to detect the presence of a key. I'll test that and I I will, and I'll show you the results of that. But the fact that when I hit the lock or unlock on the key, that has nothing to do with the low-frequency antennas inside of the car. And so really, before I even do anything, before I scan the vehicle or do any tests, I should really be considering what takes that signal. What, Where does that signal go to in the car, and what does it do with it in order to get it to the correct place, right? We, we know that the immobilizer system of the vehicle works, but for whatever reason, it's not responding to any of the functions of the key. So, anyways, that's that's how I'm going to proceed with this, and the shop did approve it. Um, the tester that I use for this is the uh, diagnostic box TDB003. It's my favorite tool for it. There are other tools that you can use, but. I find this one is really easy to use. It's handheld, it's battery powered, and you can do pretty much all key functions with it. You can look at the RF high frequency signal. You can look at the antenna, low frequency signals. Uh, You can even do some IR testing and some ignition coil detection. So you can do a lot of different things. You can read the transponder in the key too. There's a ton of different stuff you can do with this, but for proximity systems, this is the tool I grab, and it's really simple. And again, my Goal here is determine if the problem is the key side or the vehicle side, right? There's still that small possibility. It could be the key that's the issue, but we need to make that determination. Um, And I did scan this for codes. I did not find any useful codes in the vehicle pertaining to the system that I'm dealing with. So first, I'm just gonna check the key output and I'll do that with the old one and the new one. And both of them output a 315 megahertz signal when you press the buttons on the fob And here's the other thing. When you're in the vehicle and you press the start button, the key transmits a 315 megahertz signal. Now, these keys have both been programmed to the car. That's important to note. But that tells me a lot with that test, right? And and I'm going to do the next test, which I actually didn't even really need to do. But it's honestly just a few clicks of a button on the tool. So I figured why not? I like to see known goods working anyways. It's easier to compare it when you do have a problem, but I don't really even have to look at the low frequency antennas on this because, and that would be something to consider too, right? If you didn't have a tool, like there's a Pico lead or there's this tool, there's other tools to look at the low frequency antenna signal. And a lot of key testers won't do that. They only work in the megahertz range. If you didn't have a tester And you're looking at this and that key outputs a signal when you press the start button on the dash, you know, those low frequency antennas, or at least one of them are working and reaching out to the key because the keys response to that is to then send out a 315 megahertz signal like you were pressing a button on the key, but you're not, you're pressing the button on the dash, right? So I know all of that stuff works. And again, I did test the low frequency antennas with the tool. Again, a couple clicks of a button and I can see a response when I'm hitting the start button. Okay, I already know that's there, but it's easy enough to check and verify. So I'm kind of done with that section of the car. I'm not looking at the low frequency antennas. I can move on past that. And the, the key is outputting a signal. Okay, now there is still the possibility that the other key that I have... Could be the one that actually needs to be in that vehicle. And so what I actually did here was I took the 433 key that I had and I added that in and it was a little bit of a gamble because it's a 10 minute wait. But I was like, well, you know what? I just need to eliminate this as a possibility uh, because it's the sort of thing that I run into with auction cars is somehow or another the wrong key got programmed into this thing. Well, Come to find out that wasn't the case. And it is interesting to note, though, that you could do this, meaning that immobilizer wise, if that key's in the cup holder, you could have either one of these key- keys. That little short range transceiver is the same between both of these, even though the RF functions, the high frequency signal is going to be different. The FCC is going to be different that a little immobilizer portion is right. And you could program in the wrong one because I did it. And so that proved to me though, that both of the keys that are listed for this vehicle, neither one of them work. Neither one of them take the signal for this uh, from the key. And so I really got to look at the car side now. So The next question is, is what takes the signal from the actual key? What is responding or picking up that 315 megahertz signal? Um, Which I guess in, you know, 100%, I don't know if the 433 or the 315 is right for this vehicle. And we tried to look it up by VIN and repair link, and it was still inconclusive. But I'm going to lean more towards the 315 only because the original key, with the blade that was cut to the vehicle and it's a worn out key was a 315. I'm assuming that's my one, but I've tried both and and neither of them work. But anyways, I want to know what is taking that signal in. Uh, Turns out from service information, it is the remote control door lock receiver. Um, It acts as an antenna for the keyless entry system and communicates with the BCM through a dedicated serial data link. So if you look at the diagram Remote door lock receiver has four pins. There's a power from the BCM, a ground from the BCM, and two communication lines. would look like, kind of like a CAN bus between the two. And that's it. So there's only four wires going to this little thing. It's pretty simple. Okay, now I mentioned I didn't have any codes in the car, um, but I do have data pins in the BCM, right? Because I can't talk to the remote door lock receiver on the CAN bus. It's not a communicable module via the scan tool. But I can look at the BCM, body control module, and look at the data PIDs in there. I do, and it doesn't seem to show any response to the key buttons when I press them, which I could probably surmise that was going to be the case. But I wanted to see, was there anything useful in the data PIDs that would indicate, hey, this is why we're not accepting the key data? Or is is there something that indicates there's like a communication issue with the door lock receiver or something like that? I don't see anything. I just don't see any response from the key when I'm pressing the buttons and I tried all the keys. So really at this point, the next logical step is to go straight to the remote door lock receiver, uh, which I did. And it was a little bit of a pain to get to on the hatchback version. It's left rear behind the quarter panel, Uh, behind the seat corner Um, and it really is kind of a pain to get to but um, I did access it and that allowed me to find my problem. If you look at the YouTube video you can see some pictures here but the connector at this door lock receiver was full of green crusties and corrosion. There had clearly been some water damage here. Um, One of the pins was actually broken off in the connector so that's Obviously, where we're at. And so I told them that you're going to need a module and you're going to need this connector. It appears that this is a plug and play device. And I got one more piece of information from this labeled on the remote door lock receiver it showed me the the 315 megahertz signal so i know for sure the original key and the one that i programmed in are correct for the vehicle and all i have to do is replace this module it should be plug and play uh, fix the connector as well and they should be good to go So that was what was going on with that one is the remote door lock receiver connector was corroded. The module itself was probably okay. If you could, I don't know, repair the pin that was broken and the connector, you could probably get this working, but they're going to put a new one in and a connector. And then I shouldn't have to come back to this car at all. The key I programmed in and the original one should function just fine once they replace those components. Okay. So that was where this one was uh, remote door lock receiver was not functioning, so we weren't able to accept any of the signals from the key, even though the car was reaching out to the key with a low frequency antenna. it never got the message back and it never got the message when we hit the buttons on the key because that remote door lock receiver it was uh, I think it was a power or the ground pin, was broken. Um, Now, I would expect there to be a communication code on the BCM if something like this happened, but it didn't have one. So I I can't really answer exactly why that was. Um, But anyways, that's what we found. Hey, have you ever been faced with the challenge of sourcing, installing and programming a used control module in a vehicle? I know a lot of us have. It seems to be happening more and more often today with the volume of control modules on vehicles, the cost of some new ones, or even the availability of new control modules in some cases used may be the only option. So what do you do here? I strongly recommend checking out SJ Auto Solutions and Tommy Oliva. Tommy offers a cloning service for used control modules to make these things plug and play for the vehicle that you're working on. In a lot of cases, he is also able to source the control modules if you're unable to locate one for the vehicle that you're working on. But once you get connected with Tommy, he's going to offer fantastic support from start to finish to make sure that that control module is going to work in your application. He's also got tech support that he offers through his website, along with some free resources there as well on information about used control module programming so make sure to check out sj auto solutions i can't recommend that enough um the next vehicle is a little bit more interesting um this was a 2017 ram 2500 uh, with a 6.7 diesel engine uh this is actually a listener to the podcast so he may listen to this episode but it runs a salvage yard slash used car lot up ways north from me here uh, he called for an all keys lost, said, hey, you know, I got this Ram from the auction and it has no keys. And I bought a new key from the dealer. Uh, can you just come up and program this in for me? And sure. That's part of what we do is all keys lost. Um, and again, it's an auction vehicle. He did mention a couple other things to me that... <laughs> I guess um, going into it, I'm almost expecting more issues than just a key, but he mentioned that the cab cab swap had been performed at one point or another, so they actually swapped out the body of the vehicle, which can be real trouble if it's not exact match to the vehicle and the harnesses are different. So there's that. And he also mentioned that this thing had been through the auction. (laughs) Not just once, but seven times. So, and I actually looked up, you could look up on like Copart, you could see that, yeah, this thing's been through, sold at the auction six or seven times within the last couple of years. So um, it, it could very well be a real interesting one. So I set some time aside. For myself, when I got to this vehicle, because I'm like, yeah, it's probably not just going to be a key programming, but you know, that's that's we'll, we'll start with that and see what we get. Um, I and I do have a different mindset going into this than I did with the Sonic or just a regular all keys lost of like, I'm expecting to find something else, and I'm going to do a full vehicle scan and really pay attention to everything that all the codes that I have, but also what modules are present, who. has what VIN in it, things like that, because I'm expecting to find a problem here, Uh, right? We should do a vehicle scan on anything that we work on, but it's like, before I even really try doing any programming or adding keys, let's pay attention to what we have and don't have. And and that might put us in a different direction in order to figure out this car. So um, I immediately find that there's no communication with the radio frequency hub and Even with no key operations, which we can't key this thing up, obviously, it doesn't have any keys programmed to it, but you should be able to talk to the RF hub. Um, That's one module on these style of Mopar, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram vehicles. Um, If it uses a BCM and not like a tip style, you should be able to talk to the body control module and the RF hub at a minimum even if the key is off and I can talk to the BCM. I cannot talk to the RF hub. Um, And so that's where we're going to add keys to anyways. Like the RF hub actually stores the key data. And so not being able to communicate it is step one. We have to figure out why. So uh, that's the direction I'm going with this and, you know, check fuse or whatever and check the network. The network seems to be okay. Besides the fact that I can't talk to the RF hub, but I'm going to access the RF hub and see what's going on. This is against the back of the cab wall on the driver's side um, of the vehicle. And so you just have to move a panel back and you can see it there. So I do that. I'm going to go to it, do some tests and stuff. And as soon as I pull the panel off, and if you look at the YouTube channel, you can see this. There's just a harness that's like sliced in half, probably about 10, 15 wires in there, just cut and hanging there. All these wires are exposed and the RF hub is gone. Like it's supposed to be bolted to this cab ball here. There is no RF hub and this harness is just cut. And so did this happen when they cab swapped it? Did somebody yank this you know, the connector pigtail and RF hub out for some other vehicle. I don't know, but I told him, I'm like, well, there you go, man. Start with that. And then we can move on farther. There's no point in me doing anything else here today. And I did warn him like, hey, you know, we could run into a series of problems with this thing, considering what, you know, that it's been through the auction so many times, cab swaps, stuff like that. I'm like, just be aware, like, if you get a new rf hub and you're going to have to in this case i i don't even have anything to clone over from an old one but if you get a new one and you wire it in with a connector pigtail we could still have a ton more issues and he's aware of that but he wants to proceed they they're you know they want to get this vehicle figured out and uh, get it moving but um so anyways i get a call from him it was a few weeks later i uh, got a brand new rf hub from the dealer and found a connector and a pigtail soldered everything in and got it mounted up on the back of the cab there said okay we got this in i can talk to it do you want to come up and try to program that key again sure we'll give it another try and again he's understanding that you know hey there could be some other issues with this thing but all we can do is try and kind of see where it leads us so i come back to the vehicle and i can talk to the rf hub good we need that and I'm going to try to program in his new key from the dealer, right? So we got two new parts, which is nice. You know, a lot of times when I'm working with used car lots or shops in general, we have used parts. Let's take a used key from another vehicle and a used RF hub and not here. We have brand new parts from the dealer. So everything should be correct. Everything should work for this vehicle. Um, not guaranteed, but anyways, I like having new parts better than used parts. It removes a lot of question marks. All right. So um, the first question I have, though, is do I need to set up or program this RF hub before I program a key in? And where am I going to find that information? Of course, it's in service info. And there is a handy dandy chart. I actually had a podcast episode on this about uh, module replacement and programming when it comes to like immobilizer stuff for Mopar vehicles. They have a replacement guide chart that has eight different conditions depending on what you are replacing and what is existing on the vehicle, right? And the four components are the RF hub, the body control module, the keys, and the powertrain control module. And there's various combinations of new and existing depending on what you're replacing. So if you're replacing multiple components together, you got to look at this chart and say, okay, what do I have to do first and in what order? And this actually puts me in condition six of the possible eight. Actually, I think there's more than eight conditions. I think there's a chart below this, but the the chart that I put on the YouTube channel here, there's eight different conditions and we're in condition six, meaning that the RF hub is new. The body control module is existing. The keys are new, or the key in this case is new. I only have one new one. And the PCM is existing, all right? And that tells you what to do. And there's only two steps. So very easy with new key and new RF RF hub is to uh, program the ignition keys. And it says ignition off in parentheses here. And then it says RF hub replace function. And that's it. So what i'm looking at here is programming the key in is my first step with this uh, new rf hub okay so that should be relatively easy to do hopefully but obviously this vehicle could present me with some other issues uh and it did program the key fails i attempted with ytech i attempted with autel and another key programming tool all gave me the same result um nothing I was able to do allowed me to program this key in. And I actually had another key out in my van that was aftermarket. I just tried that for the heck of it. Same thing. Didn't get anywhere. Fail, fail, fail. Um, So I'm going to begin with the same testing process that I did with the Chevy Sonic. I'm going to get that uh, diagnostic box proximity key tool tester out and start seeing, you know, is my key outputting a signal? Is the car reaching out to the key? What do I have? What do I? Mi- what am I missing here? So what I ended up finding on this one was a little different than the Sonic, right? When I tested the Sonic and I looked and I hit the start button, I could see the key was outputting a signal. Now, in the Sonic, I was able to actually program the key into the vehicle. In this case, I wasn't. And, and I should stop here and note, when you program the keys in these particular Dodge RAMs, um, a lot of um, a lot of key programming when you add a new smart key, it's going to use the backup uh, transceiver or the backup slot, the emergency, right? that close range. They don't do that with these Chrysler smart keys. And that is something important to note when you're programming. Because the backup transceiver for these is actually the push button start. Meaning that if your key is dead, the battery's dead in it, and you don't have any RF functions, you're going to hold the key or actually push the start button with the head of that tombstone style key. And that is your backup. But in this particular era of Dodge Ram and a lot of the Jeeps, You don't actually program the key by using that portion like a lot of other vehicles you would. This vehicle uses the RF function of the key in order to program, and it's actually going to use one of the antennas in order to signal the key to output a signal, okay? And I'll explain more of this as I go, but it is important to note when you're programming a key here. It tells you to put the key in by the center console, just near the center console of the vehicle. That is in y and it's also in service information. Be careful here because if you use the Autel to program the key, it will say, put it near the start button or the center console. And so it's kind of just covering all its bases here, but... Putting it up to the start button will not do anything in this case because that's not how this one works. This one is using the RF functions of the key during the programming of the key, which is a little bit different than at least what I'm used to on the majority of the cars. Like that Sonic, you had to put it in the cup holder and you need that short range transponder functional and that's all you need functional to program in the key. Not the case with these. Anyways, I start doing the same testing. I'm using that diagnostic box and the key is outputting a signal. If I hit the buttons on the key, you get my, it's a, I think it was a 433 on this one. There's only one option for the key on this one. I believe it was 433 and it was outputting a signal, but when I would hit the start button on the dash, I was not seeing a low frequency signal within the car and I'm sitting in the driver's seat here and I don't see any signal there and so now I need to be looking in that direction because that low frequency reach out to the key doesn't seem to be there. Right. And I a brand new RF hub, and that's why I was wondering about programming. But first step, like, and I even tried running the uh, RF hub replacement function just to see what would happen. It won't let it do it until there is a key programmed in. And so key programming is my first step, but I don't seem to be able to do that because the car doesn't seem to be able to reach out to the key itself. So I did notice that there was some circuit codes in the RF hub. Now, again, the harness is (laughs) was all patched back together. And there's a lot of things unplugged on the dash and stuff of this vehicle. Uh, It's pretty, pretty rough shape. And so I, I didn't immediately pay attention to these codes. But at this point, I did. I'm like, okay, let's see what's in there. And the codes were for the actual antennas, the low frequency antennas within the vehicle. And there's four of them in this like crew cab style truck. There's one at the back, near the RF hub, one under the center console, and then one on each side of the vehicle near the doors. And these are to detect if the key is present in the vehicle, and then you can use data stream to figure out where it is in the vehicle. But there is codes for a number of these antennas. And what's interesting here, and I had not run this test before, but it's good to know that it's there. Within the RF hub, even though it's not programmed, You can, well, I shouldn't say not programmed. It's not set up for the vehicle yet, but you can run an antenna circuit integrity test, and it's going to show you all four antenna statuses and whether they are open, shorted to battery, shorted to ground, or those are the three. If it's open, shorted to battery, or shorted to ground for all of these antennas, one through four. And what I ended up finding out was, all of them were open circuit except for antenna number three. That was the only one that showed that it did not have a circuit issue. And that correlated with the codes that I had in there as well. But I need to go after this and figure out, okay, why why do I have these circuit issues? Is this something else with the harness or what's going on here before I continue to try to keep programming the key? And I actually did try uh, programming the key using antenna number three. Which if you look at the component locations, which I did in service info, antenna number three is actually right back by the RF hub against the back cab wall. And I looked and I saw there was an antenna plugged in there because he had it all exposed. And so I put the key like up to that antenna and tried running the programming and it didn't work. Um, I did, however, pick up a signal out of that antenna with my key tool when I would hit the start button but the programming still failed. But what I'm thinking here is it wants me to put the key near the center console. I should see if I can get, figure out what's wrong with antenna number four, which is the one near the center console. So, um, the, antenna is actually mounted underneath there. And it's just a two-wire circuit. And the RF hub is directly connected to it. And it's going to excite that antenna to output a signal. And this antenna's only purpose in life is to output a signal, 125 kilohertz, that the key picks up in the battery powered portion. And then the key spits back out Uh, a 433 megahertz signal back to the RF hub. And it goes directly to the RF hub. These antennas are a one-way deal. And then it goes to the actual RF hub. And if you look at the service information um, when you're programming a key, and there are some helpful notes in here as well. And this is kind of what led me to, okay, I really need to figure out what's going on with antenna number four. Uh, I know it's an open circuit, but why exactly? It says, with the push-button start system, when programming a fobic, hold it on or near the center console between the seats. When you are instructed to press the unlock button, it is important that the button is not held down press the button one time only, do not press the buttons while programming is in progress. And I actually did find with a lot of these Jeeps and Rams, that is important that you follow the instructions here. And if you're using an Autel or an aftermarket key uh, programming device, they can be a little bit misleading in what you're supposed to be doing with the buttons. But anyways, the, the information is pretty clear that it wants it near the center console, so antenna number four. And that, that's, that's what's involved for actually adding the key. So as much as I can tell, this is what I'm surmising from this, is that during the actual key programming, it's only using this one antenna to reach out to the key. Now I could be wrong here, but from what I found, that was the case. And so... I've decided at this point I'm going to go after and try to figure out what's going on with this antenna. Okay. So easy enough, let's access it and this guy actually had the whole car torn apart so I just literally lifted up the center console that wasn't bolted down and I could see the connector for the antenna and it was just a broken off piece of plastic. There wasn't Almost there was like nothing left of it except for the connector. I was like, okay, well, I understand why it's an open circuit. Uh, You can see the picture of that in the YouTube video, but it's nothing special. Anyways, you can also see a fully intact one. This was antenna number three, which was plugged in at the back of the vehicle. This one was functional. And I did verify that it output a signal and it passed the circuit test in the RF hub. So I'm like, well, can I move this one to number four under the center console? And I could. The connector was the same. So I just unplugged it, move it over to number four and i attempted the key programming again and I actually i set the key like right next to the antenna and i also had my diagnostic box tester active on the car prox function while i was doing the key programming i kind of wanted to see like what exactly was happening here and when you begin the programming for the key and i'm doing ytech here The car, using antenna number four, again, as much as I can tell, that's the only one it's using at this point, outputs a signal to say, hey, Key, where are you? And this is the point where you're supposed to press the unlock button one time. And so I do that, and the programming is is successful here. So... Again, we're using that antenna number four to reach out to the key, and then the key sends its signal to the RF hub. The RF hub says, Oh, okay, here we go. We're programming. We've identified that the key is there, and now we're going to observe this key. And so I was successful on this programming once I moved the antenna, the one functional antenna this car, this truck had, to number four. It went through. And then after that, I ran the RF replace function. Um, This is where you need the pin code. And this was interesting as well. There is a pin code for this vehicle. um, And the new one has all zeros, right? Because the RF hub actually holds the four digit pin code for this vehicle. So you have to get this through NASTIF or other means in order to get this pin code because you can't read it from the vehicle, right? A 17 Ram, you could potentially read the pin code with an Autel, but not if the RF hub was cut out and thrown away. <laughs> um, you're going to have to come up with that pin code. Now, here's the deal. Whatever pin code you put in at this point is the one the car is going to observe. Me personally, um, it, more of like a karma thing. It's like I try to put in the correct pin code on these vehicles because if you put in the wrong one um, – I mean, there's a possibility that maybe other modules might reject it. That's actually a good question that I hadn't really thought about. But I know that on some vehicles, you could put in the incorrect PIN code here, and then that's what the PIN code is. I don't like to do that. I I do my absolute best to put in the correct PIN code so that the next time that somebody runs in this vehicle, they're not up against it using you know, the the correct pin code going the correct methods, but somebody else put in one, two, three, four as the pin code, right? Um, anyways, I'm going to put in the correct pin code and whatever you enter here is going to be the pin code that's in that RF hub. If you were to read it previously, and I did, the auto comes up with all zeros. But anyways, you don't need that pin code until after you program the key, which I thought was pretty interesting. It'll allow you to program a key And then once you do that, then you can key it up. You can run the RF hub replace function, and that's when it wants the pin code. So interestingly enough. Now, if you try to add another key at this point, you'd need the pin code. And this one is not the uh, rolling code or Fiat architecture. This is the old school four-digit pin code on these. So after all that, the key uh, works, the RF functions work, the the vehicle keys up, and I could talk to everything or most things. There were still quite a bit of things unplugged. Uh, the vehicle doesn't start, but it had a lot of other circuit issues and things not pertaining to the key, one of which it was like missing a brake switch, and they tried throwing one in, but it, it needs more than that. There was The transmission wasn't reading the correct gear and who knows with a cab swap, but he was pretty pumped because we've made a big leap forward, right? Like you can't do a whole lot when you can't key up the vehicle, but once you can get to that point, you could start chipping away and sorting through the other issues that are on the vehicle in order to get it functional again. So That was that. Um, So pretty interesting and hopefully some good information if you're dealing with these uh, keyless entry proximity style systems. Um, But yeah, let me know if you got any of those stories yourself or any other information on that. Uh, Love to hear it. The information for the uh, Facebook group is in the show notes. If you want to join there, leave a comment, share some of your own case studies on these vehicles. But yeah, that's uh, all I've got for you today on the show. Thank you so much for listening and all the feedback. I always appreciate that. But with that all the way, let's get out there. Start fixing the world one car at a time.